home and family for the friends that you've given me. Shoes on my feet, plenty to eat. Thank you, Lord, for this church to worship and pray for the freedom that I have today. Your spirit I feel, your presence so real. Thank you, Lord, for being a friend so dear, giving my sad heart cheer, for holding my hand when I could not stand. Thank you, Lord, for giving your life for me. On that cross of Calvary For taking my place In mercy and grace Thank you, Lord I just want to thank you, Lord I just want to thank you, Lord For everything that you've done for me Thank you, Lord For the I'm sorry. I just want to thank, thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for making me whole, saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole, saving my soul. Thank you, Lord. Well, I want to praise God tonight. Uh, it's an awesome thing to stand before a group of people and take this blessed book and open it, and especially before the home church. Uh, I don't take that lightly. I know someday I'm going to have to stand and give an account uh, for every time I stand behind a pulpit, either here or someplace else, and give an account for uh, how I handle the Word of God and how I preach and uh, as long as I do it in the spirit of God, as, as long as God is out here and I'm back there someplace, then I'm good to go. I do want to thank each one of you for praying uh, for me and my wife. There's a couple of folks in the auditorium tonight that, that, uh, that I'm not sure, uh, uh, that I really don't know. Uh, so we are your missionaries with the Rock of Ages. Uh, I go to prison and preach. And uh, I have a good time. We really do. We have a great time. And, and I just want to thank you. Uh, for your support, your prayer support. I did bring some prayer cards to back out on the uh, Welcome Center. So if you don't have a prayer card, I'd ask that you take a, a prayer card. I'm not asking you to pray for me uh, you know, every day, five times a day. If you pray for me uh, once in three months, I I'm okay with that. I really am. Just don't tell me. <laughs> but, uh, but we do. We have a good time in prison. Let me tell you, um, in 2000... In 2014, just in the state of Ohio, we have had, I talked to the boss, and we had uh, 372 men, teenage men, and teenage, uh, uh, a couple teenage young ladies 
and adult men come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior uh, last year. And that's because this church takes our name uh, before the throne of grace. And not you only, but uh, I'm saying you because I'm standing before you tonight. And so we've been, uh, we've been missionaries as of five years. Uh, can you believe they let me stay five years? Uh, I, I told a guy, we just had our national conference in uh, Maryland. And I told him, I said, well, I said, I must not have done nothing too bad to make them mad. They let me stay five years. But uh, we are working on year number six. I want to tell you about one prison. I want you to take your Bibles tonight and turn to two passages of Scripture, if you would, please. Turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6, and Galatians chapter 5. And you can turn there uh, while I'm telling you this story. But uh, uh, back in May, I had the great opportunity to go to Hawaii. Well, before I left for Hawaii, uh, we opened a brand new prison. And it's really not a prison. It's a juvenile detention center. It's one step below prison. And uh, uh, on Sunday mornings, he goes there two Sunday mornings a month. On Sunday mornings, they have anywhere from 35 to 40 guys on Sunday morning. Well, in May, right before I left for Hawaii, we had our first Wednesday night there. And uh, uh, the, for the very first service on Wednesday night, we had six gentlemen. And uh, it's been growing. It's, it's, it's been growing. If you, if you are reading my prayer letter, uh, you'll know that it's growing. But uh, I, I want to tell you how good God is, and I want to brag on God a little bit for just a minute. God has allowed me to be there four times. Now, this is in Shelby, Ohio, uh, so it's about an hour and 15 or an hour and 30 minutes from my house. But I can go every Wednesday. The door is wide open for me to go every Wednesday. Uh, uh, I don't go every Wednesday because of, of the mileage, but I can go every Wednesday. But I have been there four times uh, since May. And I'll tell you how good God is. God has allowed me, a dumb old man like me, that went to East High School. I could walk from this church to East High School. I could walk from where I graduated from high school. God's allowed me to take this precious book and open it up and lead ten young men to Jesus Christ. And I'm not telling you that because I'm somebody, because you're going to find out here in the message that I'm not. But Brother Joaquin was saying about baptism. And I, I, I leaned over, I leaned over to, to Destiny and I said, well, I know ten guys that need baptized. And uh, I wonder if I could bring them up here and, uh, and, and see if they could get baptized. But uh, I don't think that would work. I don't think that would work. Tonight I want to preach a message that I preached on um, the 15th of... July, right before, right before I left uh, to go to our national conference, I preached this message in prison. Now, don't get all excited. Don't be grabbing the side of the chairs or nothing. I, I tweaked it a little bit uh, because uh, uh, we're not all young. Trust me, I look in the mirror every day, okay? And, and, and we're not all gentlemen, Okay, so I tweaked it a little bit, so, so don't get all scared. But uh, I entitled this message, The Fruit of the Spirit. I want you to take your Bible, and uh, you're in Philippians. Uh, I want to read this verse, and then we're going to pray. 
The Bible says, Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6, the Bible says this, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Father, for this day, God. I thank you, Father, for one more day of life, God, you've given us one more breath, Lord. And, Father, I pray tonight that you would help me to be a blessing and encouragement to your people, Father, tonight. Lord, as I look around this auditorium, Lord, uh, uh, I don't know everybody. And, and so, God, I don't know if there's uh, uh, anyone in this auditorium tonight that doesn't know Christ as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray, Father, you know that, and I pray that you would work on their heart. And, God, before this service is over, before they leave this auditorium, God, that they would receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross and help me to be a blessing and encouragement to those that do know Christ. Father, help us to have open hearts, Lord, and open minds, and help us to learn something, God. And, Father, not to be afraid to use these altars, Lord, I pray. God, that you would be with our pastor and them men up in football camp, and God, give them an open heart tonight. That, Father, the man of God that stands and preaches the word, Father, help them to receive what you've given them, Father. Lord, we ask these things, and we thank you, Father, for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says here in... Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6, the Bible says, being confident. My first question right off the bat is this, are you? Are you confident that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ? If you're confident the message is over, you can get up and go home. Okay, but I don't see nobody moving tonight. So either we're a little wavering on our faith, or we're not 100% confident like we should be. Now, if I preach like I'm in prison, you'll have to forgive me. Okay? Uh, Brother Joaquin was talking about going to the nursing home, and that's where I really learned how to preach. And then, and then uh, I refined it a little bit. Well, now I preach like, a, like I'm going to prison. So uh, if I do that, you just have to just uh, l- overlook it. But I want you to know tonight, are you confident tonight? Are you confident? I am confident until my eyes close in death, until Jesus Christ takes his finger and puts it on my name, and I am done breathing, I am very confident that he's going to take the work that he's giving me to do, and he's going to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, or until my eyes close in death, one of the two. You say, that's a pretty bold statement. I say, yes, it is. But see, the confidence ain't in me. The confidence ain't ain't in you either. The confidence is knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Take your Bibles tonight. See, you didn't think I'd ever get there tonight, did you? Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. I want to preach on the, the nine fruit of the Spirit. Now remember, we just read in Philippians that you're confident. Being confident. We just read that verse. Now watch this. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. The Bible says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Let me make a few statements before we go any further tonight. In Galatians, in these two verses that I just read, you're going to find nine fruit 
of the Spirit. Now, it's not fruits of the Spirit. It's not like, it's not like uh, you go home tonight and you'll see four or five uh, chairs around the dinner table. And why we add the S, I don't know. Why God didn't add the S, I'm getting to that. Okay, just hang on just a minute. But as you see this, there's only one spirit. And that's the Holy Spirit. We know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We know there's only one. He has a very specific job. He does. And only he can do that job. And he gives us these nine fruit. And we must bear this fruit in our lives. Let me make three statements. When the Spirit is in control, the fruit named in these two verses will grow in one's life. The more abiding we do, the more growth we will have. Statement number two. The more abiding we do, the more growth we will have. But watch this. Statement number three. Sin temporarily stops this growth. Sin temporarily, temporarily stops this growth. You know why I'm not, and you know why you're not, where we need to be tonight in 2015? Because we have this old stinking flesh hanging around. And we're not where God wants us. That's why we're a work in progress. Now, I told you we were going to get to that S. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit. God wrote this book. It's true from cover to cover, and God cannot lie. This is God's book, and he'll do with it what he wants. I can't tell him what to do, and you can't tell him what to do. He spoke to holy men of God, and holy men of God moved and wrote exactly what God told him to write. God said, I want you to leave the S off, and I want you to let them know that it's one spirit, but there's fruit to that spirit. You don't go to an apple tree or an orange tree and you don't say, and you don't say, look, look at all the fruits on this tree. If you did, your English teacher would take you out back and beat the snot out of you. And if she didn't, I would take her out back and beat the snot out of her. No, you would say, you would say, "Uh, look at that apple tree. Ain't that some great fruit? Ain't that some, ain't that some pretty fruit? I think I'm going to take this. Now, you little kids here, okay? If it's a green apple tree, leave the apples on the tree. All right? But as long as they're red, you pluck that baby off that tree, you wipe it on your shirt, you make that apple shine, and then when nobody's looking... 
You take a bite of that little delicious thing and that little juice runs down the side of your mouth. And then all of a sudden you hear your mom yell, don't get to those apples, we're going to have dinner in five minutes. It's a little late now. You got the juice running down your lips and you got a, a mouthful of apple. It's a little late then. Why spit good apple out? You might as well just get in trouble and swallow it. Why spit good apple out? That don't make no sense to me. I want you to know something, and I told these men that, this. Outside of Jesus Christ, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, there's nothing good about Fred Warner. Nothing. Outside of Jesus Christ. And you say, you told those young men that? Yep, I'm honest with them. I tell them. Because I want them to know that I'm a no good rotten bum outside of Jesus Christ. And you know what I told them? I told them this. But you know what, gentlemen? You're in the same boat that I am. Because of outside of Jesus Christ, there's nothing good about you either. And ladies and gentlemen, my friends, my family, my church family, you beat me up if you want. You run me over with your car if you want. But outside of Jesus Christ, there's nothing good about any of you outside of Jesus Christ. See, we're in the same boat. We're in the same boat. Let's look at these nine. Let's look at these nine, these nine fruit. First of all, the Bible says love. But the fruit of the Spirit is, number one, love. Love. You know, that word, that word is a cheap word. That word is a cheap word. We use it way too much. Because when I was uh, a little kid and when I was born, that really meant something. But it don't mean anything anymore because they just throw it around like throwing pennies in a fountain. It doesn't mean nothing anymore. But I want you to know something. This love that he's talking about here is the love of Jesus Christ. You know why we're not where we should be as individuals? Because on Tuesday night and on Saturday morning, we're not here to go door knocking. We're not here to tell people about Jesus Christ. And you say, well, I do that during the week. I'd like to be a fly on your shoulder and watch you just for one day and see how many people God draws across your path and how many people God draws across my path. And do we really witness like we say we do? Do we really take this track and pass it out like we say we do? See, do you love tonight? There's people, men and women, teenage young men, teenage young ladies, dying and going to hell. Because some man, some teenage young man or some teenage young lady is afraid to take the Bible to church, to school, and to share Jesus Christ with them. And you know what? We as adults don't have no... Excuse, because God brings people across our path every day. At the grocery store, at the bank, 
at the gas station. We have a track in our pocket. God says, I want you to give that track to that lady. I want you to give that track to that guy. You know what? As of last year, I told God last year, I don't make New Year's resolutions, but I told God last year, I want to be, I want to be better at soul winning. I want to be better at giving out tracts. And you know what? I've just come to this conclusion. These people are not going to see me. They're probably going to see me maybe once in my whole lifetime. They're only going to see me one time. If they get mad at me, I could care less. They ain't going to beat me up. If they do, I won't let them. Once I give them that track and I turn and go back to doing what I was doing, if they throw that in a trash can, they'll have to answer to God for that, not me. I did what God told me to do. Love. Joy. The next one is joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. I think about April the 15th of this year, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've been a Christian for 40 years as of April the 15th of this year. The older I get, I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm watching. I'm listening. I got hearing aids. I can hear now. I'm listening. I'm listening for that cloud to roll back. I'm listening for him to step down out of heaven and say, okay, the world is done. You're coming home. You're 56 years old. You're done breathing. I'll tell you this right now. Think about what my Savior did for me on Calvary and before he even got there. Man, makes me all wild up. I'm glad I got a long sleeve shirt on tonight. You can't see the goose pimples on my arms and my hair standing on end. Thinking about what Christ did for me. If you were the only person on this earth 2,000 years ago, Christ would still have died on that cross for you. He still would have died on that cross for you. Joy. Joy. What about peace? What about peace? You know what? We look for joy and we look for peace so many times in all the wrong places. Me and Desi, we travel a lot. But you know what? There's no greater peace, there's no greater joy than coming here and being with my church family and worshiping. You men and women in the choir, you don't know this, but I'm going to tell you. Some churches we go to, there's more people in our choir than in the congregation and some of the churches that Dusty and I go to. That's a crying shame when God's people won't come to church. When we are searching, when we are begging for peace, and we go every place else to get it, except before the throne of God, except for this book. We go every place except for God, and we try to find peace in our life, and then we want to know why our world's turned upside down. Here's one for you, long-suffering. 
I know. Compared to some of you in this auditorium, me and Desi's, we're not even close. But we've been married 33 years. Some of you have been married way longer than that. But think about this. The older we get, think about this. Think about you lived with that person all those years, and then your spouse gets sick. We've been married for 33 years. Desi gets sick. And I say, I'm packing, I'm leaving. And I go in the bedroom and I get my suitcase out and I throw that stuff in there and I leave. I would be a dirty, rotten bum. Not to go through the pain and, and, and not to stand by her side or sit by her bedside. When you get married, you get married for richer or poorer, for better or worse. Sickness, now watch this. Sickness and in health. Just because you get a little sick, you want to pack up and leave. That's not long-suffering. That's not long-suffering. You know what each one of us have in common, though? Each one of us in this room, no matter how old you are, you know what each one of us have in common? We're still a work in progress. And I can prove that with the next one. Gentleness. I'm a Warner, and I'm a Marine, okay? It took me a long time. Ask Desi. I'm not lying. I'm not lying. I'm telling on myself. I'm not lying one bit. It took me a long time to be gentle, a long time. It took me a long time, Brother Rick, to, to, to take my two sons and to put my arms around them and tell them I love them. It took me a long time to do that. And that's not something I'm proud of. We think we're gentle until we get behind the wheel of a car and get out here on the road with these clowns that can't drive. And then all of a sudden we realize we ain't gentle. All of a sudden, we want to shake them. And we don't want to shake their hand, if you know what I mean. Just because you're a female in this auditorium tonight doesn't mean you're gentle. Trust me. I've seen some of you hit. I've seen some of your fist. Trust me, just because you're a female doesn't mean you're gentle. But that's okay. That's okay. Because we're still a work in progress. We're still a work in progress. What about this next one, goodness? Goodness. God tells you to... Give that five. Give that ten. Put some money in an envelope with, 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 somebody's, with somebody's name on it and leave it back there at the welcome center for them. And you think, are you crazy? I'm not going to do that. And then we think, 
And then we think we're good. We look in the mirror and we think, what a good guy I am. But you know what? I'm a dirty, rotten, stinking bum. God will tell you to help that elderly person across the street. But you say, God, my car's right here. I don't even got to go across the street. Traffic is zooming out here on Canton Road. Traffic is zooming. (laughs) You'll walk two or three steps and get in your car. And you'll let that elderly person stand there. And they'll stand there for 45 minutes because God told you to help them across the street. And they're still waiting. And then we go home and pat ourselves on the back and thinking we're good. What about the next one, faith? Faith closes out verse 22. Faith. See, being confident of this very thing. Do we have the faith that God says in Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6, that, 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 that God tells us to have? When you can go home at night and lay your head down on the pillow and sleep? See, I have five grandkids. And I know, as sure as I'm standing here tonight, I know when my eyes close in death, I'm going to heaven. I know that for a fact. No questions. Do I want to go now? Be honest with you, I don't know. See, I have five grandkids, and I'd like to see them walk across the stage and get their high school diploma. But you know why I, I but you know why I tell you that? Number one, I'm honest. And number two, I'm a work in progress. See, because if I was actually ready to go to heaven, and this is my dream, guys. This is my dream, guys. To die right here. Not in this church, maybe, but to die right here. Standing behind the pulpit someplace with the book open, preaching the word of God. What a way to go, man. What a way to go. See, that's the way I'd like to go. If I could put my request in, that's the way I'd like to go. But see, if my faith was up here, I could say, yeah, you know what? Forget those five grandkids. I'm ready. Take me now. There's only one problem with that. Out of the five, there's only one girl. All the rest of them are boys. I'd like to at least see her graduate. I mean, these other, the other mean boys, they, they can graduate on their own. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? But see, we're all in the same boat here. Let's be honest. We've already talked about seven of these things. 
Where do you fall just in seven of them? Meekness. Meekness goes along with gentleness. Because if you were really meek, you wouldn't want to shake that lady or that guy by the throat out here that don't know how to drive. Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. But you say, yep. He killed that Egyptian and buried him in the sand. Yeah, because he didn't know how to drive that chariot. No, that's not the reason. All right. But he didn't know how to drive that chariot. See, we're not as meek as we need to be, as we should be. We're not as meek as God calls us to be. Talk to any serviceman or woman in this church. Miss Thomas, go home and talk to your dad. I just talked to him on the phone tonight. Go home and talk to your dad and ask him if he's meek. He's a United States Marine. Go home and ask him tonight if he's meek. If he's honest... He'll say, no, ma'am, not as meek as I should be. But that's good, because I tell you the same thing. Not as like I should be. But see, praise God, I'm confident that if I confess my sins and I go to God in prayer, and I ask him to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, he can still use me, and he still wants to use me, and he still he wants to use you, and he wants to cleanse you. Temperance. The last one of the nine. Temperance. Behind the wheel, with your family, with your spouse, with your co-workers, with the men and women that you call church family. How many times do you or I go home from this place or from a visiting church? And we may not have the preacher for lunch as we're driving home. But we may have one of the, the members of the congregation. Because we're not, we have, a, we have an attitude. Temperance. Man, how's your temper tonight? I found something out as I was putting this message together, as I was tweaking it a little bit. I found something out this week. If you get your temper under control, these other eight will fall right into place. If you take this last one, just because it's last doesn't mean it's not important. 
But if you take this last one and if you can get it under control, these other eight, they may be a little bit of a problem for you or for me. But you know how easy it is to love when you've got your temper under control? You know where you find your joy, unspeakable and full of glory, when you've got your temper under control? You know, you'll be at peace with your neighbor, that his, his trees are, uh, are, are hanging over your yard, and this fall you're going to have more leaves to rake than you can shake a stick at. But you know why you'll find joy out there raking? Because you've got your temper under control. You know why you'll be at peace? And, and, and you won't go over there and yell at him and make him get his rake and rake his leaves up out of your yard? First of all, he's probably bigger than you. Okay? But more importantly, is because you've got your temper under control. What about long-suffering? Gentleness. Goodness. What about those three? You say, those three doesn't have nothing to do with temperance. I beg to differ. You got a loved one in the hospital or at home, sick, and you got an attitude, or you get uh, some type of little... Temper tantrum? You may not leave, but in the back of your mind, you always think, man, I should leave. I should leave. I don't even want to talk to that person. Because you got an attitude, because your temper's not under control. Gentleness, goodness, that falls under temperance. How's your temper tonight? Faith? You're all mean and nasty over here. You're like the junkyard dog. Some of you little young, you never watched WWF wrestling. And over here, you're supposed to be full of faith from the top of your head to the bottoms of your feet. How? How? When you're crazy over there and you're supposed to have faith over here? How? How does that work? Tell me. If it works for you, tell me. So I can go from point A to point B. I'll tell you this, it doesn't. And when your temper goes out the window... Your meekness goes out the window. Because you don't want to be meek then. You don't want to be meek. You want to let that Warner Temple fly. Okay? And you can all shake your head. You know it's true, each and every one of you. Take my name out and put yours in there. You know it's true. You know I'm speaking the truth. (laughs) 
When you got a temper and you got an attitude, the meekness goes out the window. Gentlemen, you want to take this suit jacket off and you want to take that tie off and you want to throw down. And you know what? If you didn't, you wouldn't be much of a man. I'm going to tell you that right now. But God says the fruit of the Spirit is to be meek and have temperance. This is my temper, and I'm done. God says, this is what I want you to do. Get that temper under control. Your husband's not here tonight, is he, Mrs. Weiser? I asked Mrs. Weiser that because if you know Brother Nate, he's a big dude. Okay? He's got massive hands. Okay? Massive hands. If I got my temper under control and I'm holding it until my fingers turn red and it's in there, Mr. Weiser may be bigger than I am. He may be able to knock me out with one punch. And unless he puts his thumb right there, this hand ain't opening. Now, don't tell him I said that because he'll, next time he shakes my hand, he'll, he'll put his thumb right there. Okay? But I got my temper under control. But see, I really don't have my temper under control. I'm saved. I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ has my temper under control. I don't have my temper under control. God has it under control. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please stand. Dear gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you in Jesus' precious name tonight. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to uh, stand behind this pulpit and preach thy word. Father, I pray.